Welcome to another episode of Fill in the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Harry. What's going on, man? So what are we talking about, Harry? We're talking about the Bermuda Triangle. What do you know about the Bermuda Triangle? It's a place where a lot of things go missing and they don't come back. Who's the most common person you know that died in the Bermuda Triangle? People always say Amelia Earhart. She did not die in the Bermuda Triangle. I know. She died on an island, but everyone always says she went into the Bermuda Triangle. That's a theory as well. Nobody knows how she died. The most common one is the the, uh, crash and sink method that the plane went down in the water somewhere and sunk. Another one is she was captured by Japanese forces and is under encampment there because she flies to three different islands. And, uh, well, the, she wasn't flying to an island, but she f- was where she was flying was near three Japanese-occupied islands. They mm-hmm. believe that they shot her down and captured her. Also, that she crash-landed on some island is another conspiracy, and uh, she was eaten by coconut crabs. Mm-hmm. So, the Bermuda Triangle, also known as the Devil's Triangle or Hurricane Alley, is loosely defined region in the western part of the North Atlantic Ocean where a number of aircraft and ships are said to have disappeared under mysterious circumstances. Most reputable sources dismiss the idea that there is any mystery. The vicinity of the Bermuda Triangle is amongst the most heavily traveled shipping lanes in the world, with ships frequently crossing through it for ports of the Americas, Europe, and the Caribbean islands. Cruise ships and pleasure crafts regularly sail through the region, and commercial and private aircraft routinely fly over it. Popular culture has attributed various disappearances to the paranormal or activity by extraterrestrial beings. Documented evidence indicates that a significant percentage of the incidents were spurious, inaccurately reported, or embellished by late authors. So first of all, just reading that and understanding that the Bermuda Triangle has the most disappearance and crashes is because of the high traffic there. It's one of the most common routes for trade, one of the most common routes for flight. So obviously there's going to be more crashes in the area it's like i have what why is that highway worse than this highway yeah well, that highway has more crashes okay well more people drive on that highway there's going to be more crashes that's why you always hit the back roads no crashes so it's actually not a registered territory which doesn't even show up on any maps hmm compasses do not work in the bermuda triangle which is only one of two places on earth these are just a little fact for down I like that. Known for extremely violent and unexpected storms which build up quick and dissipate quickly. Hmm. So large buildup of gas from decomposing sea organisms trapped in the ocean floor causing methane bubbles to form and exploding at the surface. Which is going to lead to what we talk about when it comes to how it can destroy and sink ships. Um, It's the methane gas explosion method. Yeah, they also say it comes from uh, undersea vents, like from volcanoes that are dormant. So let's talk about the Triangle area itself. In 1964, Vincent Gaddis wrote in the pulp magazine, Argosy, of the boundaries of the Bermuda Triangle, giving its vertices as Miami, San Juan, and Puerto Rico, and Bermuda. Subsequent writers did not necessarily follow this definition. Some writers gave different boundaries and vertices to the triangle, with the total area varying from 1,300,000 to 3,900,000 kilometers, or 500,000 to 1,510,000 square miles. Indeed, some writers even stretched it as far as the Irish coast. Consequently, the detrimation of which accidents occurred inside the triangle depends on which writer reported them. Hmm. 
So the origins, the earliest suggestion of the unusual disappearances in the Bermuda area appeared in a September 17, 1950 article published in the Miami Herald by Edward Van Winkle Jones, related, not related to Rob Van Winkle. Okay. Do you know who Rob Van Winkle is? I... Vanilla Ice. Oh. Two years later, Fate Magazine published Sea Mystery at Our Back Door, a short art article by George X. Sand covering the loss of several planes and ships, including the loss of Flight 19. A group of five U.S. Navy gunmen, um, TBM Avenger torpedo bombers, on a training mission. Sand's article was the first to lay out the now familiar triangular area where the losses took place. You like that? I like the voice. Flight 19 alone wouldn't be covered again in the April 1962 issue of American Legion magazine. And its author, Alan W. Eckhart, wrote that the flight leader had been heard saying, We are entering white water. Nothing seems right. We don't know where we are. The water is green. No white. He also wrote that officials at the Navy Board of Inquiry stated that the planes flew off to Mars. Sand's article was the first to suggest a supernatural element to the Flight 19 incident. In the February 1964 issue of Argosy, Vincent Gaddis' article, The Deadly Bermuda Triangle, argued that the Flight 19 and other disappearance were part of a pattern of strange events in the region. The next year, Gaddis explained this article into a book, Invisible Horizon. Others would follow with their books, Elaborating on Gaddis's idea, John Wallace Spencer, Limbo of the Lost, 1969, Charles Berlitz, The Bermuda Triangle, 1974, and Richard Weiner, The Devil's Triangle, 1974, and many others all keeping to the same of the um, supernatural elements outlined by Eckert. So let's talk about criticism of the concept. Yeah. Larry Kush. Lawrence David Kush, author of The Bermuda Triangle Mystery Solved, 1975, argued that many claims of Gaddis and subsequent writers were often exaggerated, dubious, or unverifiable. Kush's research re revealed a number of inaccuracies and inconsistencies between Burlitt's accounts and statements from eyewitnesses, participants, and others involved in the initial incidents. Kush noted cases where pertinent information were unreported, such as the disappearance of the round-the-world yachtsman Donald Crowhurst, which Berlitz had presented in a mystery, despite clear evidence to the contrary. Another example of the ore carrier recounted by Berlitz as lost without trace three days out of an Atlantic port, where it had been lost three days out of a port with the same name in the Pacific Ocean. Kurst also argued that a large percentage of the incidents that sparked allegations of the Triangle's mysterious influence actually were well outside its own research and were very simple. The review period of newspapers and dates reported incidents and found reports on possibly relevant events like unusual weather that were never mentioned in the disappearance stories. So this chalking up to the a factor idea where it seems like someone that's trying to create a conspiracy theory of a place that you don't ever want to go, like it's yeah. uncharted territory. Um, giving it an idea like there's hurricanes, there's 80,000 foot seas, exaggeration to trying to make a conspiracy theory. It's like what life. they used to call the Amazon because it was full of unknown creatures and tribesmen. So, so Kush concluded these facts. The number of ships and aircraft reported missing in the area was not significantly greater, proportionately speaking, than any other part of the ocean. 
In an area frequented by tropical cyclones, the number of disappearances that did occur were, for the most part, neither disproportionate, unlikely, nor mysterious. Furthermore, Berlitz and other writers would often fail to mention such storms or even represent the disappearance as having in calm conditions where meteorological records clearly contradict this. The numbers themselves have been exaggerated by sloppy research. A boat's disappearance, for example, will be reported, but its eventual, if belated, return to port may not have been. Some disappearance had, in fact, never happened. One plane crash was said to have taken place in 1937 off Daytona Beach, Florida, in front of hundreds of witnesses. A check of the local papers revealed nothing. The legend of the Bermuda Triangle is a manufactured mystery perpetuated by writers who either purposely or unknowingly made use of misconceptions, faulty reasoning, and sensationalism. In a 2013 study, the Worldwide Fund for Nature identified the world's 10 most dangerous waters for shipping, but the Bermuda Triangle was not found among them. So you know the idea of what he said was sensationalism? Yeah. Sensationalism? It's the idea of sensitizing something. Like, if someone dies in your family, you chalking it up to a higher power is desensitizing the, the problem. Definitely. So further responses. When the UK Channel 4 television program, The Bermuda Triangle 1992, was being produced by John Simmons of Geo Films for the Equinox series, the marine insurance market Lloyd's of London was asked if an unusually large number of ships had sunk in the Bermuda Triangle. Lloyd's determined that large uh, numbers of ships had not sunk there. Lloyd's did not charge higher rates for passing through this area. United States Coast Guard records confirm that in conclusion, in fact, the number of supposed disappearance is relatively insignificant considering the number of ships and aircraft that pass through on a regular basis. So already that every single part of the government's like it's it's a skeptical topic. Like they're like, it's yeah. not, it doesn't seem real. Like it doesn't seem like this could be a thing. Well, the Coast Guard is officially skeptical of the triangle, noting that they collect and publish through their inquiries much documentation contradicting many of the incidents written about the triangle authors. In what such incidents involving the 1972 explosion and sinking of the tanker VA fog, the Coast Guard photographed the wreck and recovered several bodies. In contrast with one triangle, authors claim that all bodies had vanished with the exception of the captain who was found sitting in his cabin at his desk clutching a cup of coffee. In addition, VA fog sank off the coast of Texas, nowhere near the commonly accepted boundaries of the triangle. The Nova Horizon episode. The case for the Bermuda Triangle aired on June 27, 1976, was highly critical, stating that when we've gone back to the original sources or the people involved, the mystery evaporates. Science does not have to answer questions about the triangle because those questions are not valid in the first place. Ships and planes behave in the, in the same in the triangle, the same way they behave everywhere else in the world. Skeptical researchers such as Ernest Haves and Barry Singer have noted how mysteries and paranormal are very popular and profitable. This had led to the production of vast amounts of material on topics such as the Bermuda Triangle. They were able to show that some of the pro-paranormal materials often misleading or inaccurate, but its producers continue to market it. According, they have claimed that the market is biased in favor of books, TV specials, and other media that support the Triangle mystery, and against well-researched material that espouses a skeptical viewpoint. I don't blame them for feeling that way. 
It's a whole idea of a skeptic's myth, man. Yeah. It's, you want to chase after something. We all want to believe that there's something bigger out there. Same thing with the Loch Ness Monster. Same thing with Bigfoot. Same with aliens. It's, yeah. We all want to believe there's something out there that is dangerous and secretive that we don't want to go into. It's the whole idea that promotes a secret society and our fascination with secret societies. So, what are some explanation attempts? Paranormal explanations. Triangle writers have used a number of supernatural concepts to explain the events. One explanation pins the blame on the leftover technology from the mythical lost continent of Atlantis. Sometimes connected to the Atlantis story is the submerged rock formation known as the Bimini Road off the island of Bimini in the Bahamas, which is the triangle by some definitions. Followers of the portrayed psychic Edgar Cayce takes his prediction that evidence of Atlantis would be found in 1968 as referring to the discovery of the Bimini Road. Believers describe the formation as a road, wall, or other structure. But the Bimini Road is of natural origin. Other writers attribute the events of UFOs. The idea was used by Steven Spielberg for his science fiction film Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which features the Lost Flight 19 air crews as alien inductees. Charles Berlitz, author of various books on anonymous phenomena, lists several theories attributing the losses in the triangle to anonymous or unexplained forces. A paranormal explanation in the 2005 three-part U.S.-British-German science fiction ministries, the triangle says the triangle is exactly a wormhole where everything gets sucked in and nothing comes out, even though there has been proof that ships have made it out. Exactly. So some natural explanations. Compass variations. Compass problems are one of the most cited phrases in many triangle incidents, while some have theorized that unused local magnetic anomalies may exist in the area. Such anomalies have not been found. Compasses have natural magnetic variations in relation to magnetic poles, a fact which navigators have known for centuries. Magnetic compass north and geographic true north are exactly the same only for a number of places. For example, as of 2000 in the United States, only those places on a line running from Wisconsin to the Gulf of Mexico. But the public may not be as informed as what they might think on the serious of something mysterious happening about a compass changing across an area as large as the triangle naturally at will. Well, you've heard that the poles shift every once in a while, right? Yeah. yeah a matter of fact, recently the poles shifted, uh, I think it was like a whole five degrees because of the uh, dams that they have in China and Japan. Because it's holding all that water, the gravity shifted, and the pole shifted along with it. Well, what did I tell you in the beginning? It's one of two places on Earth where yeah. compasses don't work. So, Gulf Stream. The Gulf Stream is a major surface current primarily driven by thermomyelin <clears throat> circulation that originates in the Gulf of Mexico and then flows through the Straits of Florida into the North Atlantic. In essence, this river is within an ocean, and like a river, it can does and carry floating objects. It has a maximum surface velocity of 2 meters, 6.6 feet. A small plane making a water landing or a boat having engine trouble can be carried away from its reported position by the current. So that gives bolsters the idea of trying to find parts and wreckage in a yeah. certain area where a certain area could have drifted long stream. Could be on the whole other side of the world by now. Could be with the current. Human error. One of the most cited explanations in the official inquiries is the loss to any aircraft or vessel is human error. Human stubbornness may have caused businessman Harvey Conover to lose his sailing yacht, Renovoc, as he sailed into the teeth of a storm south of Florida on January 1st, 1958. Hurricanes are powerful storms that form in tropical waters and have 
historically cost thousands of lives, caused billion dollars of damage, the sinking of Bernisco do Bobadela's Spanish fleet in 1502 was the first recorded instance of a destructive hurricane. These storms have in the past caused a number of incidents relating to the Triangle. A powerful downdraft of cold air was suspected to be the cause in the sinking of the Pride of Baltimore on May 14, 1986. Mm. The crew of the sunken vessel noted that the wind suddenly shifted and increased velocity from 32 kilometers, which is 20 miles per hour, to 97 to 145 kilometers per hour, which is 60 to 90 miles. A National Hurricane Center satellite specialist, James Lushine, stated during very unstable weather conditions, the downburst of cold air from aloft can hit the surface like a bomb, exploding outward like a giant squall line of wind and water. A similar event occurred in Concordia in 2010 off the coast of Brazil. Scientists are currently investigating whether hexagonal clouds may be the source of up to these 170 mile per hour to 270 air bombs. Some believe methane hydrates cannot sink a ship, even if it was tested on a model. That gives bolstered to the idea of methane hydrates. So, all these occurrences already, and there's still so many more explanation oh, yeah. and incidents. What do you think? I mean, honestly, in my opinion, I don't think it's extraterrestrial. I'm, I'm with the whole gas bubbles theory. You're with the methane gas? I'm with methane gas. You want me to read you a little bit more about methane hydrates? Yeah, man. Okay, so an explanation for some of the disappearances is to focus on the presence of large fields of methane hydrates, a form of natural gas on the continental shelves. So laboratory experiments carried out in Australia have proven that bubbles can indeed sink a small-scale ship by decreasing the density of water. Any wreckage consequently rising to the surface would be rapidly dispersed by the Gulf Stream. It had been hypothesized that periodic methane eruptions, sometimes called mud volcanoes, may produce regions of frothy water that had no longer capable of providing adequate buoyancy for ships. If this were the case, such an era forming around a ship could cause it to sink very rapidly and without warning. Publications by the USGS described large stores of undersea hydrates worldwide, including the Blake Ridge area. Off the coast of the southern United States, however, according to the USGS, no large releases of gas hydrates are believed to have occurred in the Bermuda Triangle for the past 15,000 years. Hmm. So, I mean, I think that one seems more likely when it comes to ships, but a methane hydrate wouldn't explain destroying a plane if it's in the air. Mythbusters actually tested that. Uh, theory on the uh, show a while back, ages ago now, but they tested the methane gas on a scale ship. It sunk down. It was great. Um, they're saying right now that the methane gas, when it's in the air, it can cause a combustion engine to literally combust, which would take a plane right out of the air. I think it bolsters the fact that if it, that methane gas is getting leaked into the air <clears throat> and it's going up into the atmosphere, those pilots are probably experiencing a sense of inhaling methane, which ca caused lead to hallucinations and seeing whites or seeing those types of colors. Exactly. Like the first one that you were talking about where they said the sea is completely green, the planes have gone up to Mars. It sounds like they're just getting high off gas. You got to think, though, how high can you get and then you end up losing where you're supposed to go. I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of people have smoked a joint and then tried driving and then got lost somewhere. Exactly. They turned it into an adventure. So you can't do that when you're in a plane with a limited amount of fuel. True. So some notable incidents. Ellen Austin. The Ellen Austin supposedly came across a derelict ship placed on board with a prize crew and attempted to sail in tandem with its New York in 1881. 
According to the stories, a derelict disappeared, others elaborating further that the derelict reappeared, minus the prize crew, and then disappeared again, with a second prize crew on board. A check from Lloyd of London's records proved the existence of Maida, built in 1854 and in 1880. Maida was renamed Ella Austin. There are no casualties listing for this vessel or any vessel of that time. That would suggest a large number of missing men were placed on board a derelict that later disappeared. Hmm. So, um, this is the U.S. Um, Cyclops, the USS Cyclops. The rescue team wrote a 15,000-page report on the disappearance, but no exact time of course was found. So no exact course lined out where they were going was found. Um, the captains never sent out an SOS. A lot of people think with the USS Cyclops, it was an incident. It was, a, it was all fault to the um, captain of the ship. They believe he was working with the Germans at the time. That wouldn't surprise me if he tried to defect. So, the incident resulting in the single largest loss of life in history of the U.S. Navy not related to combat occurred when the Collier Cyclops, carrying a full load of manganese ore and one engine of, um, out of action, went missing without a trace with a crew of 309 sometime after March 4, 1918, after departing the island of Barbados. Although there is no strong evidence for a single theory, many independent theories exist, some blaming storms, some capsizing, and some also blaming the wartime enemy activity. Um, in addition, two of Cyclops' sister ships, Protus and Nurus, were subsequently lost in the North Atlantic during World War II. Both ships were transporting heavy loads of metallic ore similar to which was loaded on the Cyclops during her fatal voyage. In all three cases, structural failure due to overloading with a much denser cargo and design is considered to be the most likely cause of sinking. So 73 more people boarded on at when they stopped at Rio, already at max capacity. Yeah, the captain good. stopped and picked more people up. This is why they think it was a German-like thing. Um, it was the Russians' belief um, when it came to uh, that they found a bunch of documents um, in a Russian embassy, which led to the Carol A. Deering. You know what the Carol A. Deering is? Not offhand. Um, it's a five-mastered schooner built in 1919. Carol A. Deering was found hard aground and abandoned at Diamond Shoals near Cape Herodis, North Carolina, on January 31st, 1921. Rumors and more at the time indicated Deering was a victim of piracy, possibly connected yeah. with the illegal rum-running trade during the Prohibition, and possibly involving another ship, Hewitt. With disappeared at roughly the same time. Just hours later, an unknown steamer sailed near the lightship along the track of the Deering and ignored all signals from the lightship. It is speculated that Hewitt may have been this mystery ship and possibly involved in Deering's crew's disappearance. So this whole idea was that a bunch of um, Russian um, ambassadors that were working in our American base, uh, our American embassy, were had that we found documents on their desk saying that hmm. they, there was a plan to capture all American ships. Yeah. So they, that's what they think that it was a form of either Russian spies or Russian people taking over our ships, or it was up to the chalk up to the fact of the rum runners or Russian, like I said, Russian sympathizers. Everybody always wants to blame the pirates. Everybody does. They ain't so bad. So flight nineteen. Flight 19 was a training flight of five TBM Avenger torpedo bombers that disappeared on December 5th, 1945. 
All over the Atlantic, the squadron's flight plan was scheduled to take them east from Fort Lauderdale for 140 miles, north for 73 miles, and then back over a final 140-mile leg to complete the exercise. The flight never returned to base. The disappearance is attributed by Navy investigators to navigational error leading to the aircraft running out of fuel. One of the search and rescue aircraft deployed to look for them, a PBM Mariner with a 13-man crew also disappeared. A tanker off the coast of Florida reported seeing an explosion and observing a widespread oil slick. When fruitlessly searching for survivors, the weather was becoming stormy by the end of the incident. According to contemporary sources, the Mariner had a history of explosions due to vapor leaks when heavily loaded with fuel as it might have been for potentially long and search rescue missions. So they took a ship out that knew it could explode in an area where it's known to have methane gas pockets. Mm -hmm. That's smart. So the last radio transmission was to Taylor to his crew. He said, if you go down, we all go down. Because he had a total of um, five flights, like five yeah. bombers up in the air. So he was talking to each and every plane. So the rescue plane was known as the Flying Bomb. Literally, because it yeah. was known to explode over long trips. Talk between pilots of being lost and compasses not working. They thought they were over the Gulf of Mexico. Had enough fuel to communicate one last time at 8 p.m., even though the trans... Or to communicate to last... No, they had enough fuel to last a time to 8 p.m., but the communication was lost at 6.20. So an hour and 40 minutes earlier before their fuel was supposedly supposed to run out. Yeah, we lost communication. That's crazy. So the Star Tiger and Star Ariel. The Star Tiger disappeared on January 30th, 1948 on a flight from the Azores to Bermuda. The Star Ariel disappeared on January 17th, 1949 on a flight from Bermuda to Kingston, Jamaica. Both were two Avur Tudor 5 or Tudor 4 passenger aircraft up operated by British South American Airways. Both planes were operating at the very limits of their range, and the slightest error of fault in equipment could keep them from reaching the small island. Ariel's caption said, In the morning, everything was fine. Shortly after, la later, a more cryptic message said, It was changing frequency. Hmm. So Douglas DC-3 on December 28, 1948, a Douglas DC-3 aircraft number NC-1602 disappeared while on a flight from San Juan, Puerto Rico to Miami. No trace of the aircraft or the 32 people on board were ever found. A Civil Aeronautics Board investigation found there was no results information available to determine what's the probable cause of the disappearance. This gave bolster to the fact reports of UFO sightings there were only 50 miles from landing in Florida, and it disappeared off the radar where the water was only 20 feet deep. So if still the plane crashed, it would still be able to be found. The people yeah. could swim to shore. Like, it's nothing bad. Like, you can sit there and wait for help. Yeah. So that's where they, it bolsters up to the UFO and alien conspiracy theory. And considering how clear the water is out near Florida, you'd be able to see it from the air. So once, like I was saying before about the pleasure yacht, a pleasure yacht was found adrift in Atlantic South of Bermuda on September 26, 1955. It is usually stated in the stories Burlitz Weiner that the crew vanished while the yacht survived being at sea during three hurricanes. The 1955 Atlantic hurricane season shows Hurricane Ione passed 
nearby between 14 and 18th of September, with Bermuda being affected by heavy winds and gale force. In his second book on the Bermuda Triangle, Weiner quoted from a letter he had received from M.R.J.E. Challenger of Barbados. On the morning of September 22nd, Connemara 5 or 4 was lying to a heavy mooring in the open of the roadstead of the Carlisis Bay. Because of this approaching hurricane, the owner strengthened the moor ropes and put out two additional anchors. There was little else he could do as the exposed mooring was the only available anchorage in Carlis Bay. The sea in the wake of the Hurricane Janet was awe-inspired and dangerous. The owner of the Canara bore observed that she dis disappeared and an investigation revealed that she had dragged her moorings and gone to sea. So the KC-3135 Strato Tankers. On August 28, 1963, a pair of U.S. Air Force KC-3135 Tankers aircraft collided and crashed into the Atlantic at 300 miles of West Bermuda. Some writers said that the two aircraft did collide. There were two distinct crash sites, separated by over 160 miles. However, Cruz recorded that the unclassified version of the Air Force investigation report revealed that debris defying the second crash site was examined by a search and rescue ship and found to be a mass of seaweed and driftwood tangled in an old buoy. How do you crash into somebody flying in the air? Right? I was just thinking the same thing. You're two planes in the air. You're going Unless you're flying in tandem, but why are you near each other? If you're flying in tandem, one behind the other, or if you're flying in the same direction. Normally, like trying to play chicken with each other. That's what it was. Probably. It was some guy saying, I'm going to play chicken with you, and ended up getting himself killed. I mean, they're high as a kite, breathing in this gas, and they're flying to play chicken. They're, they're just thinking to themselves, <laughs> it's going to be fun, we're going to run into each other. So what's your idea behind the Bermuda Triangle, bro? Well, I mean, when in doubt, blame the pirates. But realistically, they're getting high as a kite. They're using combustible engines and a gas field. You can chalk it up to natural fumes. You can chalk it up to pilot, whatever you want. It's a, it's not a conspiracy theory no. to know that there's been some... I mean, there's been more accidents other places than this place. So the whole idea exactly. of it being a mysterious triangle, like I said, is the idea of turning you know, water to wine, the whole mystery behind mm -hmm. that benefit, the idea of us wanting more. Well, if you, none of us believe us that it's not that dangerous and it's not that scary, why don't you go buy a cruise ship or buy your own boat or get your yeah. own tickets and go sail down there yourself because apparently they do trips all the time. Go have fun. Go see what you can see at the bottom of the ocean. I know? believe the Kraken lives in the Bermuda Triangle. I could see that. Imagine if the Bermuda Triangle is like the pirate movies where it's just a giant swirling vortex down to the bottom. It's like a drain plug, like in a toilet. Yeah, I mean, that'd be really badass. You gotta think that, like, underneath the Earth's crust, there is, like, a layer of water that they only recently discovered, and it's, like, perfectly crystal clear, pure water. You gotta think that it's coming from somewhere or it's going somewhere. So if we've got a drain on one end and it's coming out of vents on the other end, that's, that's actually a pretty good idea for a movie. Huh. Nobody steal it. Nobody steal it. Thanks My for idea. being on this episode of Fill in the Blank. Harry. You're welcome. I had a great day.